0: This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. Hello, talk Tuners. Unbelievably, we are episode 15. Welcome. And how are you doing, Stephanie? Oh
1: my gosh, 15, girl, we're doing it big. Hey, I'm doing okay today, Steph. Stephanie Pena here, thank you guys for coming back. Excited about today's episode. Um, Yeah, it's gonna be a good one. So what's up, Steph, what's going going on in your world?
0: Yeah, we're really excited about this episode. And you know, I know we love, both you and I love music documentaries so much. Check, Uh, yes. (laughs) And I'd say for me, it's like, I love documentaries in general, and music documentaries are probably my favorite, like sub genre of movie. Yeah, um, just at all, it's like oh, I can't get enough of them, and I've seen so many. And I was really happily surprised to recently come across the Depeche Mode Ooh. documentary. <laughs> yeah, um, Ooh, that's a good one. Ran across it on a on the uh, plane of all places a few weeks ago. Uh-huh. And this one's called Depeche Mode: uh, Spirits in the Forest. Okay. And. It was awesome. And first of all, you go in thinking, this is going to be this uh, straightforward concert documentary, but it's not, which was really okay. cool. Um, it focused on following the lives of six pretty hardcore Depeche Mode mm-hmm. fans from across the world. And these people also follow the band on tour okay. um, around the world. And wow,
1: that's
0: yeah, a lot of they, money. Yeah, right? I know. I was like, oh, man, like, this is hardcore. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the filmmakers, mm-hmm. uh, they followed these people, talked to them, did really extensive interviews like, oh, how did you come to your fandom? Yeah. And it was really about how these kind of turnpoint events in their lives, really kind of their life stories, like led them down the road to this Depeche Mode fandom. And it was a really interesting story arc. It was like, oh, led them to this fandom as kind of like a form of redemption or at least kind of escape. it was very well made and then also made me think that's probably that way for a lot of people who have what I call like intense fandoms uh there's a lot of academic writing just about that fan culture and I always love reading it because it's always so interesting and it's kind of it takes me back to the fact when people say things like this band or that band saved my life like I believe them Mm -hmm. um I do believe them because art can pull you out of dark places but uh Mm -hmm. you know Anyway, to Depeche Mode's amazing and the film made me realize like, oh man, I haven't seen this guy's in concert and I'd love to, but it also oh. just made me, yeah, I know, mm-hmm. like I've what? never seen them. Yeah. Girl. Okay. I know. All right. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I on know. on your list. <laughs> I know.
0: And I feel like I've had a couple opportunities too, but I was like, oh man, I got like, I got to see them. Yeah. But yeah, maybe just go back to this thing I've long thought about, which is how that level of intense fandom they all kind of have the same connective tissue and kind mm-hmm. of similar origin stories where there's like sort of the turning point in their lives that lead them down this road but i know you have a lot of thoughts on fandoms and you know we're both fans making this podcast and sharing our stories but right. yeah get your thoughts
1: yeah so fandom yeah absolutely depeche mode has that so i did get the chance to see them with stabbing western isn't that a funny bill yeah, you had stabbing. You had the guy for stabbing Westward always bitching about a breakup, and then you had Depeche Mode come out talking about love and happiness and shit. It was pretty funny. Um, it was a good <laughs> night, but I mean, just these bands, these big iconic bands, are going to have this crazy fandom, you know. And it, it for me, fandom is because you feel welcomed, you feel like you're part of something bigger, and especially if you have that connection to music to where you feel like certain songs are speaking about your life are helping you through hard times or you associated with something fantastic in your life. I mean, I have all of that. So I totally get fandom. I think about fandom. um, And I think about a friend of mine and I shit you not was stalking the Backstreet Boys. And she actually went as far as going to Orlando. Like one of them lived in Orlando. And I mean, that that's fandom and that's all stalking. But anyway, just saying just whatever it is, what it is. Special girl. So, um, you know, but just on like true fandom, you think about big bands, like, for example, um, I just think right right off the bat, Tool, Tool's one of the first progressive metal bands, big as hell, they're actually on a new tour. Well, you know, you're part of this legion of fans and you're actually given a title by the band called Tool Army. You're part of an army. You are part of them. Like this is, this is your calling. So then with that, it's really cool. When you join the fan clubs, you get the insights for the tickets and ticket sales and all that good stuff. So it kind of just goes hand in hand. Yeah, bands like Kiss. Yeah. They got fandom. They got total big fandom, you know, people (laughs) who want to be still dressing up in platforms and shit all day, you know, and I want to be like Gene Simmons and have, you know, whatever. And then also I think about fandom and this is really off, but insane clown posse. I mean, yeah. the Juggalos, right? That's a perfect example of fandom and just how oh, folks wow. just like say, hey, these people are part of my life. Um, you know, this is what we do. We think of fans of Slipknot, the maggots. Oh, yeah. They could have come up with a better name than their, for their <laughs> folks for the following. I'm a huge Slipknot fan. I don't consider myself a maggot, but <laughs> that's, you know, it's just really <laughs> being a part of something bigger and better. And yeah, Depeche Mode, definitely. If you go to Depeche Mode Show, You're going to see the folks, you know, it's part of that new wave era. You know, there's going to be a certain type of person, people that go there. Um, I mean, like my all black and red lipstick and, you know, eyeliner, just I look like the same lady, like two to two seats down. You know, it's like, this is what we do. Yeah, (laughs) This is who we are. And then so on today's topic, we're talking about a band that is all about the fandom. It is either, you know, them or you don't. They are a cult band. They are fun as hell. They're called My Life with the Thrill Kill Cult. And we are talking about their classic, The Days of Swine and Roses. go into that, let's go ahead and give you some backstory on this really great band. And if you haven't heard of them again, I said that pretty fast. We're talking about <laughs> my life with the thrill kill cult and yeah. the days of swine and roses. So Steph, kick it off.
0: Yeah. Um, I'm really excited for this episode and it's very interesting backstory we have. And then of course we have our own stories and memories. Um, we'll share with yes. you today, but picture it, you know, it's 1987. And uh, poet slash artist slash singer Frank Nardiello, who eventually became Groovy Man. That's right, Groovy Man. And a <laughs> <good, man>. uh, <laughs> musician, uh, Marston Daly, who eventually in the, um, the scope becomes Buzz McCoy. They're, uh, they're neighbors, right? They're living in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're hanging out uh, late nights. They're loving to watch their horror movies down from the corner store back when video stores were a thing. Yes. Yeah, remember that.
1: blockbuster? Uh, I want that one. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah, I love <laughs> the a stores. So these guys are like, how do we make our own like trashy B-movie uh, mm-hmm. in style of Russ Meyer and John Waters? And they were like, "Okay, call it like my life at the Thrill Kill cult. Let's do it. Let's make this movie. You know, that stayed a pipe dream. So that film, okay, that film as it were, never came to fruition. But I realized it's like, oh, they share this, they share this worldview, their neighbors who share a worldview, Uh, Mm -hmm. like this B-movie type things and these like tabloids and just, you know, general, uh, general decadence and general, like getting creative from boredom, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, that's where a lot of music comes from, right? It's just like you're, you're bored and you let those creative juices flow. And especially in 87, they weren't on Facebook all day. You know, yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, so, it, you know, they're this, you have to do something with that energy and yeah, Throwkill kill man. Totally. They're they're, I mean, for folks that don't know, and I expect a lot of people who don't know who they yeah. are, period. Yeah. Um, my life at throw kill cult, they are what it's called like an industrial band. Um, so they use a lot of synthesizers, keyboards, heavy drums, but dance beats. Yeah, And, um, and they talk about, you know, um, they, they talk about just a lot of sleazy, honestly sexual music it's sexual yeah. music and there's no hiding it so um, yeah that's cool there were neighbors what? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like okay right? universe. we just put really cool <laughs> two ultra creatives together that's that's right? awesome that's awesome but yeah, yeah I mean they they have been around for a minute and and stuff you mm-hmm. have more uh, info on them so please share
0: yeah so it's like they have their little superhero origin story as it were them two getting together as you say the universe sometimes brings the brings the creatives together. Um, mm-hmm. And over the years, they had this kind of cast of characters uh, revolving a little bit, as many bands do. I got folks that are coming in and out. And, you know, to your point, they're using samples. They're using instrumentation. They got these crazy stage shows. And that's how they're that's where they kind of know. I say it all the time, but that's where they know they're is sputtered. Um, For sure. Because they're like, yeah, we're going to give you like a crazy sensory overload show and to your point Stephanie it's like they know it's like we're gonna build fandom from that place people can maybe first time seeing us maybe they're not familiar with our studio stuff We can use this as our calling card go forward and be like oh we gained some fans for our albums after maybe being dragged to a show maybe like walking across going to a show that was around the corner but it's like they knew how to work that visual they knew how to work visual so visual yeah,
1: mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Thrill Kill is just definitely one of those bands in BC live. You're it, it's kind of like a goth rave. That's what I'll say. Yeah, because yeah. it's dance music. So, I mean, here's this clip. You're going to please guys go research this band and check it out for yourself. I and mean, We're going to talk more about it, but it's real. It's fun music. It's it's just a lot of fun. You can't if you're not dancing at Thrill Kill, there's something wrong with you. <laughs> like for real. It's just it's good stuff. So, so stuff they were on Wax Track Records. That's awesome because yeah. that there's also some really good uh bands talk about Phantom again. You know, mm-hmm. the artist on that label seems like they were yeah. with some really uh good company there.
0: Yeah, so they end up getting the attention of Wax Tracks, which is a pretty legendary label. Um, who also released classics from KMFDM, Meat Beat Manifesto, and then just a couple side projects from uh members of ministry, Al Jorgensen, Paul Baker, and then uh minor threat uh, in McKay nice. so definitely somebody on wax tracks having this ear wanting to attract certain types of listeners and really knowing mm-hmm. uh, how to how to cultivate that base as it were
1: yeah yeah
0: you know so it's interesting too right because it's you listen to it and they probably you know I'm not gonna put words in their mouth but I'd say like they defy labels in a lot of ways yeah. if you listen to these guys. But uh, part of that springs from industrial and industrial sound at the time. I, you know, I listened to like the clip we played and anyone who's listening to that and is coming to them for the first time, uh, Mm -hmm. you can tell like, for example, uh, like Nine Inch Nails right around the era of Broken, like borrowed a lot from them. And you look at like the years and it's like, oh yeah, that kind of makes sense. And I don't think Trent would deny something like that but Mm -hmm. uh but you realize like yeah there's a certain um sisterhood brotherhood of uh the sound borrowing from each other to make something Mm -hmm. greater snowball uh snowball things and really just make this art right
1: yeah. I mean, Nine Inch Nails, I mean, that, that is a household name. So folks on the line probably know exactly what we're talking about Nine Inch Nails. That's industrial music, y'all. So, um, but you know, Trent mastermind has, um, of course put in his own, just pure rock and roll influences, whatnot is made this wonderful, 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 uh, sound that you hear on the radio. And I know everyone at least knows closer <laughs> or knows, you know, uh, something for pretty hate machine, you know? Um, so but yeah, but it's bands like My Life with Thrill Kill Cult that gave artists like Trent Reznor um, some influence because you can definitely hear it's the dance. You can dance the Nine Inch Nails, you can dance the Thrill Kill Cult. I can't just keep stressing that enough. And honestly, I do consider it more like a rave, which is when you go to live shows. You know, as you know, we keep talking about which we're going to talk about a live show that we encountered, and it is literally just a big party. I remember the first time hearing Thrill Kill Cult. I was actually sorry mom sorry dad I was having um tequila shots with my girlfriends in a living room and it was a stormy night I mean how perfect right because they're a little gothy a stormy night and we're just dancing <laughs> around to this funky music never heard it before but I felt so cool I was like so enlightened I'm like what the hell am I listening to? I don't know, but I feel liberated, and it might have been at tequila, but you know, whatever. Neither here nor there. They've stuck with me, um, and yeah. So, Steph, like, you know, what about you? When was the first time you heard this band?
0: Yeah, you know, I just I think about them and their really intense fandom communities. You know, it's like mm-hmm. they got this bit of a cult following, um, but it's really a strong ones. My uh, longtime friend Jen, big fan of theirs. Shout out uh, Jen best if you're listening. Um, and I think was maybe the first person to introduce me to them. And I was like, oh, man, these guys are really cool. Like, was playing me on some of their music. And I was like, uh, these are really cool guys.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And so the first song that I heard of them was Days of Swine and Roses. And I believe that's the first song you heard of them as well.
0: Yeah, that was definitely it. That was definitely it. And that was, uh, I feel like that's probably a lot of people's entry point.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I know I heard them at the clubs when I started going to the goth clubs, started going to New Wave clubs. It definitely was a staple you hear at um, the night. They
0: were the centerpiece.
1: Exactly. They were the you brought centerpiece everybody for everybody up to the dance floor. because we was ready to go. And so, you know, Days of Swine and Roses, guys, it's off confessions of a knife. That is actually my life with the Thrill Kill Colts second album. Came out in nineteen ninety. Um, and the particular song Days of Swine and Roses, it's actually Stephanie Reach uh, just you know, briefly mentioned how they were influenced by John Waters. So folks that do not know who John Waters is, he is a director. He's a movie producer. He makes fantastic films that are very cult, um, very edgy, um, hilarious. I, I think of the one from the 90s with Christina Ritchie and Ever Furlong-Pecker. Hilarious. Um, but he has been doing this stuff for a long time. And actually the band got the name for the song um, off of John Waters' film, Female Trouble, Female Trouble was out in 1974 and that um, was one of the many movies that he partnered with, with the drag queen Divine. And this is a dark comedy and it's about Divine who gives birth to an obnoxious child. And then she goes on some really crazy rampage. It's like, it's ridiculous. It's like literally always over the top. That's John Waters and my life at the Drogo cult is over the top. And so there are actual, um, in the beginning of the song, they're talking about a pig and that is actually taken from the movie. So there's little inserts as well. They'll throw little movie lines. And like even like current day um, artists like Rob Zombie will throw little inserts of from, you know, from horror movies or shows and stuff like that. Just little one liners in there. Um, there's other songs uh, that my life does that with. It's really cool. And I remember when we were living in Brooklyn, we had the opportunity to see them live. And this is great. And uh, I'll let Stephanie introduce this wonderful time.
0: <laughs> Love those facts. I'm like, my God, you forget that John Waters is like so ingrained in there. You
1: know, he is. He is. Yes. And Divine. 100%. Divine. divine Yo, right? if, if you don't know who Divine is just by saying the name, if you look up John Waters and Divine, you have seen her. You have totally seen her. Like, she's, she's super famous. Really his muse, too.
0: Mm-hmm. And yeah, like just fascinating to listen to and to be able to go see them. Of course, they're like, oh man, like we got this, we got this opportunity. So of course we got our, uh, we got our personal little memory there. And I love looking back on it when we were able to go see them in uh, Club Europa, which is in uh, Greenpoint back in 2008. And for folks who may or may not know Greenpoint is, that's a neighborhood (laughs) in Brooklyn. It's like... there's a, there's a better way to describe it, probably, but I would say a Polish-centered uh, slash hipster neighborhood. Maybe that, that's somebody good. who encompasses both identities. I don't even know. But um, like intersection of both together, like a traditionally Polish neighborhood, and then like hipsters mm-hmm. all in And you can imagine like there's a lot of good food in the area, of course, and you end up getting your pierogies along with your punk rock shows when you're in Greenpoint. So that was kind of amazing. So we go to we go, to go <laughs> see them. like What a pair. Yeah, right? Like, I was like, oh, that's <laughs> I great. i a Caribbean. I
1: saw my life at the Kill Colts. Yeah. All I was right. like, oh, <laughs> <a>
0: night. <laughs> <laughs> and we were ready, right? Like, we were like, hmm. Like, we're going to go. We're going to go Club Europa. Um, and then I was remembering, like, we ate. And it was in one of, I think, my favorite Greenpoint restaurants beforehand. Great Polish restaurant. They did have great pierogies. And then they had like a wishing well in the middle of it. Somebody will know the name of this place. But it was like, yeah, of course. Like, yeah. of course, we're here with this. So I remember it was great to start the evening off with like juxtaposition, like very authentic and excellent pierogies, drop a wish in the wishing well, heading to a very over the tap rack show. Yes. Down at Club yes. Europa.
1: Yes. Club Europa. So guys, this club, when we went in, it was dark. Like, okay, so again, Mile After Cook Holt is a fun band, but they're definitely on a dark side. So it was like literally pitch black. It was like black lights. Um, even the stage itself, it had like red dim lighting. Um, and so the, the band was there. And yes, they're about the presence. They have, they have, a, they have a big band. And they have backup singers. I mean, they they do a show. It's kind of like a do-op. I mean, sometimes you're like, "What is this? Like, what is going on?" Um, and you know, and they're you know dancing around or whatever. So really big stage presence. But you, Club Europa is small. So just imagine seeing all of this energy in a really tight space. Um, that's exactly what Club Europa was. And I honestly remember being there, Stephanie, and being like, man, I don't really want to move around because I'm like, it's so dark and I'm so mesmerized by and hypnotized by this music that I think I'm just going to like hit somebody or trip over something. Um, yeah, you're under their spell. And, um, you know, I, I had a a blast, definitely off the beaten path. It's just like legitimately, you have backup singers, you got dancers, you got, you know, then you got your drums, you got your keyboard. I mean, there is a lot of shit that goes into my life with Rocco Cold. It is a production and just, just them up there playing. You don't need anything else. You're just like, whoa, this is happening. A lot of, a lot of energy, tons of energy.
0: So much energy. And yeah, to your point, it's like, this is a, such an intimate venue to be walking in too. I think, uh, you know, it's as you guys can imagine, talk tuners, it's like, this is a club, so, you know, on days they're not having a show, it's like, yeah, we're just gonna, you know, hang out and dance. It's a dance club. Um, so, mm-hmm. Intimate Venue, Off the Beaten Path shows like this. Um, I also have seen a number of shows there over the years, including um, Fucked Up, who puts on, if you're familiar, Good God, a great show and talk mm-hmm. about filling that intimate venue with, like, Probably lost some hearing after that one too, but um, oh yeah,
1: you did. Mm-hmm.
0: Great show. They were so <laughs> good, um, and they were so good, and I uh, I loved that. But um, but anyway, I digress a little bit. Um, but uh, it was this amazing show to see with Thrill Kill Cult. Um, even though we're sitting there in the dark, um, trying. Yeah, to, uh, it was bizarre. It complex. was just bizarre. Yeah, it wasn't like oh, a strategically lit. Area like most shows, it was like, oh, do I see my feet down on the ground? So there was like, kind of watch yourself in this tiny little place. Um, but it mm-hmm.
1: was,
0: yeah, crazy energetic show. And then I was looking some clips up uh, of the show, uh, saw a couple refresh my memory. I was like, yeah, this is exactly how I remember it. And then I even uh, found a blog that ranked, it was ranking um, Thrill Co Cults live shows over the years. Oh, nice. it was like a deep, yeah. Called it a Deep Cuts fandom blog, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and um, and they had said too. They were like, I are ranking the shows, and they were like, this was this 2008 show at Club Europa. There was like, this is actually one of their best ever. So it was like, man, our you know our memories like holds true. Like this was a multimedia crazy ass big show, big show. Yes. Maybe the people on the stage, maybe there was like they brought in more on stage and there were off just because it's a small venue. Yeah. Like
1: seriously, I'm surprised they weren't tripping over each other. I mean, and like, guys, this was not even the concert norm, right? Because my norm was like, hey, let me grab a beverage, whatever I'm drinking, a seltzer, a vodka seltzer, it don't fucking matter, a beer, and let me, let me do this. But no, it was literally like we walked in and we're like, okay, we found our spot. Now we're going to watch this magic. Like there was nothing else. I was like, I remember walking out of there just dehydrated because I was dancing so much in my own little circle. Um, You know, it was, yeah, it was so fucking cool. It was definitely one of the coolest shows I have been to. And I'm actually lucky enough to have seen them before. And guys, let me bring it in. So this may actually resonate with some folks. Those folks that know the 1994 classic, The Crow, Mm, the band that's um, that's in the club, that they show for like a minute or so. That's my life with three Thrillkill cult. They're singing after the flesh that you guys know who this band is. If you watch that movie, because I know the crow is definitely has another cult following, but it also crossed over to the mainstream because it's that good. So, but yes, my life with the a Thrillkill cult is actually in the crow. And so I actually saw them for the first time at Elysium, which used to be atomic cafe, which is still around today. It's Elysium in Austin, Texas and it was like, okay, they're coming. I'm like, holy shit, I'm there. Another tiny venue where you see these guys just bring this crazy ass show. And I remember that they were being so about it. It was a Sunday. I was like, man, I got to go to class the next day. These fools didn't come on until like 1130. And I was like, <laughs> man, tomorrow's going to suck. But guess what? It was the best shit ever. I mean, mm-hmm. you have folks from all different walks of life um, you know, I know I went out and had, of course, uh, I was wearing velvet something because, you know, yeah. whatever. Like, yeah. why not? You know, I mean, we had the velvet pants, Stephanie. It was all about the velvet in college. Sure did. Um, I didn't have a hat, like a little top hat as well. And just, you know, just be, just be yourself and be whatever, man, whatever you're feeling. It's such good energy, such good vibes. And, um, I'm a crow fanatic. And so that was the first time I've ever seen them. I do have, I do know of talking about like legendary shows. I have friends who are older than me, um, who were able to go see them in San Antonio at the cameo, which is a, which is a historical club here still around tiny as hell. So like, again, like these dudes bringing on some major shit in some tight closed venue that just speak volumes and that shows more of the cult, right? Because you think big, larger than bands, you're going to go see them in amphitheaters. You're going to go see them in stadiums. Hell no. You're going to see my heart cult and be blown away in a small, tiny venue. And you're going to feel it. Absolutely feel it. This band is so much fun, y'all. So much fun. I mean, there are other tracks, um, you know, uh, cooler than Jesus sex on wheels. My God, there's just a whole bunch of shit that they do and it's so much fun you hear piano again you'll hear keyboard you'll drums it's literally it's an experience in its own if you ever see them live it's okay watch the crow watch that little clip and then put on confessions of a knife or whatever other album you want because it's yeah gonna be an experience
0: yeah um i feel like i've said this in another show actually what i'm about to say uh crow is probably like one of my favorite soundtracks of all time oh yeah absolutely i feel like it's almost like generational Folks even a younger than us, like, might not know how good it is. Well, I suggest you go to Spotify and listen to it because it's so good. It's so Absolutely. good. Uh, Dead Souls on there. Um, another classic that kind of fits right into the theme. But, um, but yeah, I feel like, hey, guys, if you haven't listened to that, that's my recommendation for the day.
1: Yeah, I think we need to dust off that CD if I still have it. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, CDs. So great. OCDs, back, back, back. Well, no, this has been a fun episode, man. Um, I hope that we've enlightened some of you guys and introduced you to a whole new band and a whole new experience because honestly, um, I think I can't even think of a more perfect band to listen to right now as we're all coming out of this pandemic or trying to, right? Slowly listen to something fun, dance around your living room, you know, just do you. So I highly recommend it. And I want to hear what you guys have to say for sure.
0: Yeah. We, as usual, really want to hear what you guys have to say. Please do reach out. We love hearing from you, and it's always just makes us so happy. At, like, oh man, put this out there. And like, people are this thing. Um, so, absolutely. thank you. Yeah, absolute big thank you to listeners. And do feel free to keep sharing it. We really love that, and we notice word of mouth is big for us. Uh, feel free to keep sharing it. If you feel inclined to do a review on that podcast, that's awesome we would definitely appreciate that we are as always very happy to be part of the pantheon network and I personally as a music nerd like go and listen to a lot of these um podcasts on our network
1: uh, mm-hmm. my current
0: favorite I don't know if you've heard it yet stephanie but my current favorite is the story song podcast on pantheon really funny definitely check those guys out just my Little recommendation of the week.
1: Yeah, great. Awesome. I'll definitely have to do that. So folks, definitely check out our brothers and sisters on the Pantheon Network. You will not be sorry. You'll definitely fall in love and fall in love with the old music you haven't listened to in a minute and maybe even discover something new like I hope we did today. Um, Reach out to us on the socials. Thank you for all the love. I got to go get my dancing shoes on. I'm out.
0: Bye. Bye, guys. Remember, you can reach us, any of the socials. It's Stephanie's Talk Tunes on IG, Facebook, TikTok. And it's just Stephanie's Talk on Twitter. But you can find us. we there. Love you guys. Peace out.